It's fantastic to be here and what a joy. This is my first opportunity to sing without a mask. Uh, so that's been pretty cool. Thank you. Although I have to say, I was at uh, a church ministry last week. I was right on the front row. There was nothing between me and the worship band. I had my mask on and I was singing. Uh, so I was sort of practicing last week. So, uh, so it is wonderful to be here. Uh, can I just say, we've, uh, my, my wife and I, Dawn, and I have had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. It's sort of like coming home here. We love coming here. Uh, the hospitality is always outstanding. And we've been so well looked after and taken care of. It's been wonderful. Jonathan, Kath, and the team, thank you for inviting us again. And thank you for letting us be part of your journey. It really has been uh, wonderful. And it was nice, actually, I walked all the way through that walk yesterday with a Liverpool shirt on, and I didn't get abused once. So that was great. So it shows there are really friendly people up here in uh, Stockton. So that was really fabulous. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And what a wonderful time uh, we did have together. And over the weekend, we've been doing this sort of journey motif this idea that being a follower of Jesus, being part of a faith community, one of the sort of pictures of that is of journey together. A really lovely expression is the idea of pilgrimage. And we started our day yesterday with the idea from Psalm 84. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And we looked, looked at the idea of the original language there. It's a little bit stronger than it comes across in the NIV version of the Bible. It really points to the idea that pilgrimage is in their hearts. That's sort of the idea. And so we started our journey together that it's really not about the journey as such, it's about what's in our hearts on the journey. That's a really important idea in the context of a Bible worldview. And where our, our sort of big thought for the day that we kept repeating throughout the day was this. It's not just about where we are going, but it's about how we are going. Okay? So when we think of journey in the Bible, the Lord is not just interested in where we're going to. He's interested in how we are going to where we are going, all right? Most humans are obsessed with destination, and the Lord is really interested in destination. Of course, He is. Destination's a big message in the Bible, but actually, the Lord is also profoundly interested in how I am going to my destination, not just if I make it to my destination. Are you with me? That's a massive idea, it's a beautiful idea, and it's a repeated idea within the Scriptures. And tied into that, we looked at this idea that it's not just about arriving, it is about becoming. It is about becoming. It's not just we want to get to the final moment, but actually it is about learning, growing, developing on that journey. That our journey is not just a race, it's a relationship. It's not just about going it is about growing, and it's definitely not just about then, it is also about now. And there were some of the ideas that we sort of teased into uh, yesterday, and we're going to carry on the walking theme. Now, please forgive me if you are a person who struggles to walk, or maybe we have a conversation with someone who has a disability uh, and struggles. It's really a picture of journey, okay? So if a person can or cannot walk, it's really not the issue here. It's the idea that we are journeying as followers of Jesus together. We're going to carry on with that idea just for a few minutes this morning and bring it to a conclusion with another psalm. So we started yesterday with Psalm 84. Now we're going to finish with Psalm 23. 
So if you've got a Bible and you do want to follow with me, I know it'll probably come up on the screen for you, but if you do want to follow with me, that will be brilliant. Now, some of you are thinking, Psalm 23, where's the funeral? Um, because this psalm tends to get wheeled out in funeral services, which for me is a little bit of a tragedy because it's really a psalm of life, not really a psalm about death. And, and David has some powerful things to say to us from this. So shall we read it and let me read it to you. Some of you will know this very well. Maybe some people hearing it for the very first time. But it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the valley of the dark shadow, which might be another interpretation, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We asked the question yesterday, how fast does God walk? And actually our conclusion was that he walks as fast as we do. Now, there are moments on the journey when he'll draw alongside me and he'll say, John, come on, lad, you need to pick the pace up a little bit. All right, you're dragging your heels. Come on now, let me help you. Let me encourage you. We need to move a little bit faster. There will be other moments on the journey where John Andrews is like running ahead of the Lord because I know better than God. And so I'm, I'm running ahead and Jesus has to go, John, John, you need to slow down, lad. You're rushing ahead. You're going too fast. And there are moments in our lives where Jesus prods us to go a little bit faster and there are moments in our lives where he restrains us to go a little bit slower but by and large he is committed to walking with us now here's an incredible idea as followers of Jesus and if you're here searching in faith this is an incredible idea for you to think about if you're thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus is that we are invited as humans to walk with God wow I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Imagine, imagine your hero. Imagine your favorite footballer. Imagine someone you really adore who's an actress or an actor and, and you got a call from them uh, inviting you to walk with them, to have dinner with them. It'd be mind-blowing, wouldn't it? And yet, when we read the scriptures, one of the overwhelming ideas is that we are being invited as humans to walk with God. And we hear that sort of conversation a lot. And that was really the big idea behind our day yesterday was about how we are walking with him, okay? But the other flip side of that idea is even more remarkable. Not only are we invited to walk with him, but he comes to walk with us, all right? He, he wants to walk with me. Now that really is mind-blowing. I totally get it as a human, because I'm human and God's God. I understand totally the idea of him inviting me to walk with him. I get that, right? Because I'm human, he's God. So, so even though that still frazzles my brain in a way, 
I sort of, that's more comfortable for me to understand. What's really mind-blowing is that that God, even when I don't want to walk with him, he wants to walk with me. He wants to draw near me and walk with me. I, I remember being at Bible college and uh, in my second year Bible college, we were lectured by a man called Professor William Williams. Really imaginative name going on there. So William Williams came to lecture us and he was having a sabbatical. So he's having a year off from his main job. Now, to give you an idea of the brain power of William Williams, professor from the US of A, uh, he could speak uh, fluent biblical and modern Hebrew. He was in his early 50s. He could speak Aramaic. He was fluent in biblical and modern Greek. And he was learning Egyptian for a pastime. Okay, now most of us are struggling with English, aren't we? That's our first language. And we are, we're struggling with that. He, he's one of the few people I have met, genuinely now, one of the few people I've met who taught the Bible like he wrote it. I mean, it's breathtaking. I can't describe to you how brilliant this man was. As someone who was growing as a young teacher, someone, you know, 18, 19 years of age at the time, and the embryonic teacher was inside me, I was just drawn to this man like, like, like you know, uh, a moth to a flame. And I was mesmerized by his ability and his humility. He was just one of the most down-to-earth, wonderful, wonderful people. And any chance I got, I sort of got as close to this man as possible without it looking too sad. Do you know? So any opportunity I had. But I had a mind-blowing day. A day that really, really shocked me and shook me and inspired me and encouraged me. A day when Professor William Williams came to me and said, I would like to walk with you today. Because I used to go out walking. I did my prayer walking. And he said, I, I want to walk with you today. I want to talk to you about a few things. And I'm, I'm going, okay. Is there another John in the room that you want to walk with? Uh, why? In my head, I'm thinking, why would you want to walk with someone like me? Because he, he was out there. He was, this man was genius level. And I'm, I'm this sort of uh, second year Bible call, a Bible student struggling to just get to grips with a, with a, with a book. And he wants to have a walk with me. And so I heard my mouth say yes. And we went for a walk. And it was incredible. And a relationship started to build. Uh, and he was incredibly kind to me. And I'm, I can only put it down to the grace of God. I'm not sure why he was so kind to me. Maybe he saw something. I don't know what it was. But he was incredibly kind to me. And I remember when he left Bible college to go on to the next phase of his sabbatical. I was doing my, my duties. Back then, students did duties. So I was out around the gardens doing some stuff and, and helping out with some stuff. So I was, in, I was in sort of work clothes. I was pretty dirty, a little bit sweaty, and probably didn't smell particularly fragrant at the time that he came to see me. And he was on his way to the airport, and he literally came and found me. And I was standing uh, in the room that I was working on. I was standing on the outside steps. So I was standing on the top step. And Professor William Williams was quite tall. And even though I was standing two steps up, he was just about at eye, eye height. So that's how tall he was. And I remember, let's never forget it till the day I die. He grabbed me by the lapels. He pulled me in. 
and right face to face, in what was, I have to say, slightly uncomfortable, he said to me, if I ever hear that you have messed up, I will come back and I will kick your butt. That's what he said. It's one of the most amazing things anyone's ever said to me, that. I felt like a million dollars. You see, it was one thing for me as a little student to go, uh, Professor, could I have a coffee with you and just talk about the Old Testament for five minutes? Even though it broke my brains out. But it was another thing for the professor to say, I want to sit with you. That's a game changer. Now, now listen, everybody in the room sort of understands the concept that as a follower of Jesus, we're being called to follow him. We're being called to walk with him. There's a lot of stuff I've sort of got to do to move towards God. We, we, we sort of get that. We're very comfortable with that sort of idea. What we're less comfortable with, and we've been singing about this morning, is the grace of God idea that says, actually, actually, you stay there. I'll come to you. I'll walk with you. He, he walks into our room. He walks into our world. He walks into our life. And he says, I want to have a walk with you. And we're looking around thinking, me? Me? You want to walk with me? Exactly. Not only does he want us to learn to walk with him and walk with each other, but he wants to walk with us. He wants to walk with you. He wants to get into your world. He wants to be, in in the purest biblical sense, intimate with you. He wants to delve into our depths. And in fact, the very first picture of God, once he makes the first man and the woman, the very first picture of God is of God coming down in the cool of the day to walk with them. He's coming to them. It's an amazing picture. And when we look at Jesus in the New Testament, we see a walking God. (laughs) Said yesterday, Jesus never ran anywhere. He's walking and he's walking with people. And he's walking to people. And he's walking for people. He's walking. And often we're seeing him walking in the context of relationship and community. And it's that idea I just want to leave us with over this weekend. Yes, we are called to walk with him. But the amazing idea is that there's a shepherd who wants to walk with us. Wow. Now, if you and I can get that as a revelation, that's a game changer. That will change the way you view yourself. It will change the way you view him. It will change the way you view your life. Because he wants to walk with me. Wow. And when I get up in the morning, he's waiting for me so that he can walk with me. That's mind-blowing. It really is. And if you're struggling to get your head around that, I, I understand. We need a bit of a revelation to help us. And I don't know if you noticed David's words. David said in a sort of a climactic moment in the psalm, the psalm sort of builds towards this verse. This verse becomes a sort of climax, even though it's pictorially in a valley. And then you get a sort of a, the other end of the psalm. It's like the psalm builds to a moment and then dips over the edge. And he says this in verse four, even though I walk through, and this is my preferred translation, the darkest valley Even though I walk through the darkest valley, he says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Now, now the reason that climactic moment's so cool 
is because we've got so many amazing promises in this text of, of him guiding us in righteousness, of him leading us to the quiet waters, of, a, of sitting down in the green pastures, of, of sitting in a table where my cup is overflowing and eventually where goodness and loving kindness is hunting me down all the days of my life. And there are all the bits in that psalm we love. We love the idea of still waters and green pastures and paths of righteousness and cups overflowing and tables laden with, cho with choice food and, and loving kindness hunting us down every day of our lives. That's the bit our eyes are drawn to. But right in the middle of all those fantastic promises, there is this awkward moment that in the darkest valley, David says, I won't be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. Wow, love that. And you've got this implied all the way through the psalm. He, the Lord's my shepherd, I won't want. He leads me, he guides me, he feeds me, he's, he's providing for me, he's watching over. Uh, but right in the middle of that, it's all glued together with this statement, because you are with me. And as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus today, if you're thinking about a follower of, being a follower of Jesus, this is an amazing idea. As followers of Jesus, we must not become familiar with that truth. He is with you. He is with us even in our darkest valleys. He is with us even in our most difficult moments. He is with us whether the sun is shining or it is blasting it down with rain, whether we're having the best day of our lives or we're having the worst week in our experience. He is with us. And genuinely, there should be more amens to that, really, honestly. And, and the, the problem is that many of us really do struggle with that idea. We get it. He's with us when we're good. He's with us when the sun's shining. He's with us when we're doing well. He's with us when we're picking up the pace. He's with us when we're, when we're breaking through. But, but actually, he's not just with us in those moments. He is with us even in the darkest valley where it's just not working very well. And I love this idea that you are with me. And so I want to leave you with three very simple thoughts of the journey. To help you. This, uh, using this you are with me as an encouragement. I want you to remember number one. You are with me though I cannot see you. Amen? You are with me though I cannot see you. Did you notice that David uses the euphemism of darkest valley? Now, now sometimes that's translated valley of death, and there's a bit of controversy around that translation because in most other places where it's, that phrase is translated in the Old Testament, it's used of darkness or, or valley or shadow. In this context, sometimes people have chosen to translate it valley of death, but I actually think a better translation is darkest valley because it fits with the psalm. This is not about David dying. This is about the threat of death on David. Okay? So, so it's, a, it's a valley of, it's, a, it's a, a psalm of journey. It's a psalm of relationship. And he's saying there's moments in this relationship where he guides me to those lovely green pastures. There are moments in this relationship where I get the benefit of the still waters. There are moments in this relationship where I'm walking on the paths of righteousness and it's all marvelous. And then there are moments in this journey 
where it's darkness. Not the darkness of dying, the darkness of feeling like you're dying when you're living. Come on. And if you're prepared to interpret it like that, it just makes much more sense. And actually, in a dark valley, one of the things that happens is it's hard to see people. You know, he didn't have the benefit of torches. They, they, they may have been able to light a torch themselves. But actually, as you're walking through the dark valley, the shadow of the dark valley, the implication is there's very little light within that. And therefore, the implied idea is, I cannot see you. But one of the areas of faith we've got to come to is this, is even though when we cannot see him, he is there. You with me? It's a big faith idea. Even though I cannot see you, you are there. A number of years ago, we were on holiday in Northern Ireland, and my son was working in Kenya at the same time. And normally, we all, always went as a family to Northern Ireland. He was in Kenya for nine weeks, and the rest of the family were on holiday. And we picked up my parents in Belfast, took them to the North Coast, and we were having this lovely holiday together up the North Coast. And one of the ideas we decided to do was to do a Skype link with my son, Simeon, so my, my dad and my mom could see Simeon. We could see how he was doing. So I got my laptop out. I put it on the table. We all gathered around the table, signed into Skype, and uh, we made the call. And Simeon answered, and there he is. He's on my laptop talking to us. Now, my laptop hadn't even got a charger on at that moment. I charged it up, so it wasn't even plugged into anything. And of course, it was connecting wirelessly to the internet, the glory of the internet. Uh, and so it's all going on. And my dad was this gorgeous, beautiful, simple man. Very, very limited education. Struggled with some ideas and concept, but just loved God, loved people, loved his family, Right? So my dad's watching all of this going on and he turns to me and he says, son, is that a recording? And I said, no, daddy, that's Simeon. Simeon's in Kenya right now in Africa. We're here in Port Stewart and you're talking to him. And you could just see his mind was blown. And I said to him, ask Simeon a question. So he said to Simeon, Simeon, what are you having for dinner? <laughs> And Simeon said, oh, Granda, I'm making chips. Now, my dad loved chips. My dad would have eaten chips till they were running out of him. My dad loved chips. My dad was hoping there'd be chips in heaven. He absolutely loved chips. So that made his day. But you could still see he was a bit baffled by it all. And we're continuing to have the conversation with Simeon. i never forget this. My dad turned to me and he said, son, where's the wires? Where are the wires? He couldn't understand how that machine on the table was communicating with somebody in Kenya live. He couldn't, could not comprehend it. And I, I'm thinking, how do I explain the internet to my daddy? Right? How do I explain there's no wires? And I said, Dad, they're invisible wires. It's just they're invisible. You can't see them. There's something in there connecting to something out there, which is connecting to his machine over there. That's the best I can do to help you. And here's, here's what I said to my daddy. Daddy, you don't have to understand it. Just enjoy it. All right, sometimes we get ourselves in a terrible state when we're walking through valleys because we can't see the wires. 
We're desperately trying to understand what's going on. And because we don't understand it, we make a dangerous assumption that if I don't understand it, then the Lord's not here with me. And don't do that. Just because you as a human and I as a human don't have the brain power to understand something bigger than us doesn't mean the Lord's not with us. Come on, are you with me? The internet was still working whether my dad understood it or not. I'm not even sure I understand it, but I enjoy it. And there are moments in my life, can I say this? I've been a follower of Jesus since I was eight years old. And there are moments in my life where I cannot see the wires and I don't even understand how this is working. But here's what I really do know. He's with me. And I'm just going to enjoy him being with me right now, even though I haven't got a clue what's going on around me. Faith doesn't need to know how it works. Faith just needs to know he's there. People say, that's a cop-out. No, no, that's not a cop-out. That's dynamic faith. Listen, if you need to know how everything works, you're in trouble. You're going to have a miserable life. You're going to be exhausted. Because it's above our pay grade to understand how everything works all of the time. There are moments in our journey, even as followers of Jesus, where you won't understand it. That's a banker. And when I don't understand it and I can't see the wires, here's what I say. You are with me. Come on. Come on. Somebody say amen. Come on. You are with me. Here's the second idea we've got to learn as we walk. You are with me, though I cannot feel you. You are with me, though I cannot feel you. Do you notice there? In the, in the psalm in verse 4, the powerful emotion that is expressed, I will fear no evil. That's a very felt thing. Fear gets felt. This is a felt emotion. This is a, a very powerful, one of the most powerful human emotions and reactions that is given to us in terms of our fight and flight and in terms of our survival and management. This can be a very powerful thing for us, a very positive thing in the right context. Of course, fear in the wrong context or fear of the wrong type can be a very dangerous thing. So the fear that causes me to run from a falling building, that's a good thing. But fear that paralyzes me, that cripples me, that stops me from being everything that I was designed by God to be, that's a very dangerous thing. And actually, feelings and emotions are a very, very powerful part of our life as humans. But when it comes to our spirituality, they have to be managed carefully. So there's nothing wrong with feelings, nothing wrong with emotions. It's what makes us, I believe, in part dynamically human is that we feel in a certain way, we experience in a certain way, and emotions are wonderfully, wonderfully uh, human and glorious, and I think even a reflection of God himself in the way that he has created us. But unmanaged, Our emotions can drive us to irrationality. Our emotions can drive us to the wrong conclusions. So we come into a beautiful service like this today and we engage and we say, I didn't feel anything. And so we leave this beautiful building saying, I didn't feel anything. And here's the dangerous conclusion. Therefore, 
God wasn't here. Or therefore, maybe I'm not good enough. Or therefore, maybe I need to do something more to feel something. You know, Joe on the other table seemed to be feeling a whole bunch of stuff. And I felt nothing. And we find ourselves getting into this. Feelings in the journey of faith are a bonus. But they're not essential. If you felt something this morning, that's a bonus. But actually, if you didn't feel a thing, you can still worship God. You can still draw near to God. He can still draw near to you. And actually, you can still receive every single thing you need by faith because it's not actually about anything you feel. And if we go on feeling, some of the most important issues of our lives are now vulnerable. All right? If I went solely on, I mean, Don and I have been married 33 years, but if I went solely on my feelings, I'd have been married, unmarried, remarried, unmarried, and maybe remarried again. Maybe not always to the same woman. Do you understand? If I went on my feelings, we wouldn't have made 33 years. If I went on my feelings, my grass would never get cut. My mortgage would never get paid. The dogs would get a walk once a week, if they're lucky. And maybe I'd come to church once or twice a year. Read my Bible once a month. I said, John, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that feelings are important, but they're not essential. Well, it feels like the Lord's not with me. What's that got to do anything? Why are you, why am I allowing my emotions to dictate to truth? Now, I'm not minimizing your feelings. Uh, Please don't hear what I'm not saying, but I want to challenge you. I want to push you on this. Uh, And I'm pushing myself on this because as a personality type, uh, I'm sort of quite melancholic in nature. People are shocked by that and a bit bit surprised by that. But if if I was a, you know, a a character in Winnie the Pooh, I would be Eeyore. (laughs) Is that true, love? I I would be an Eeyore. Beth and my daughter would be Tigger. Because I'm, I'm prone to being a wee bit serious about things. I'm prone to being a little bit glass half empty. That would be my natural default feeling. So there's nothing sort of wrong with that as long as it's not driving the car. As long as it's not dictating the agenda. Once I let those emotions dictate the agenda, then my walk with God really now comes under threat. Why? Because he's with me all the time, but my melancholy is saying, I can't feel anything. Oh dear. Oh my. Where's the Lord? Well, he's right here. Yeah, but I don't feel him. And actually, over the years, I've had to learn, and this is not an easy one, I've had to learn to just do the right thing, even when I don't feel like it. Because the right thing's always the right thing. And I've had to learn to accept something even though I don't feel something. 
So, so I, I came, I stood on that front row today, and here's what I believe. The Lord is with me. If I, if I get a wee thrill and a bit of goose pimple going on on a Sunday morning, bonus. And if I don't, I leave here going, the Lord is with me. Come on, come on. And this is so, so important for us. Faith comes from what we know, not from what we feel. It doesn't say the just shall live by feelings, but the just shall live by faith. You with me? Okay, here's the last idea, and then I'm done. You're happy to hear that. Here's the third one, bringing it to a close. Here's the third lesson we need to learn. Toughest, maybe one of all. You are with me, though nothing has changed. <laughs> Notice David didn't say, even though I am rescued from the darkest valley. You are with me. He said, even though I walk through. I, I reflected on this yesterday. Dawn and I, my oldest daughter and her husband, did the Jesus Trail about four years ago. Had a most amazing, amazing trip. And now it sounds super, super spiritual, but it's actually just a really spiritual title for a cool walk in northern Israel. And we walked from Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, all the way around uh, northern Galilee, all the way down to Capernaum, where Jesus sort of did a lot of his ministry, all right? Now, it's a 61-kilometer trail, so about a 40-mile walk. And there was part of the walk from a place called Kibbutz Levi to Mount Arvel. Now, Mount Arvel sits right on the lip of Capernaum. From the top of Mount Arvel, you can see the whole of the Galilee. It's just absolutely breathtaking view, all right? Just stunning. That walk, that view was worth the walk. It was absolutely amazing. So we were walking this day from Kibbutz Levi all the way to Mount Arvel, one of the longest stretches of the walk. And in that walk, there's a valley. And they say this to you, make sure you, before you go into the valley, you've got plenty of water, you've got some supplies, and you're ready to do this. Because once you're in, you've got to go the whole way through. There's no other way out. Okay, so you've only got to come back, which is then really defeats the purpose of the walk. Or you've got to go through. What you, what you can't do, he was, they were saying to us, there's no other way out of the valley. Now, the valley was nine kilometers long. And it wasn't just like a, a lovely tarmac path valley. It was a proper valley. And it was a little stream in there. You can imagine that in the winter with the rain and, and the sort of the, the, the water overflowing. And we were stepping over briars. You were watching where you were walking. We were getting thorned. We were having to cut stuff through. It was absolutely incredible. And there was a moment in the middle of that valley where you go, I know we're on the right path because we followed the orange dots. And we've got the map here. But, but actually... There's just a moment where you go, are we on the right path? Will we get out of here? This is pretty tough. And then you reach a moment where you realize, actually, if we went back the way, this is going to be as tough going back as it is going forward. And, and even though there was the four of us together, there were moments within that walk where you go, wow, this is, this is pretty difficult. And here's the thing. There was, like, there was no exit point. They didn't send a helicopter and so, oh, we'll just give you guys a lift, get you out of there, give you a break. The only way out of that valley 
Now, there are moments in the Bible, and we, you can read them for yourself, when, when the Lord steps in and boom, rescues people. He does. There's millions of stories like that, and they're brilliant, and we love those stories. Uncomfortably, though, there's a whole bunch of stories in here where people do not get rescued. Where they have to just keep going. Now that's a faith moment. That's a faith challenge. And here's one of the hardest things in faith in a moment like that. Is that why isn't this changing? If the Lord's with me, if the Lord's with me, John, why isn't this fixing? Why don't we have an exit? Why isn't this being better? And actually there are moments where it doesn't fix and it doesn't change. And that's the greatest challenge of faith where you go, right, this is not working out the way I wanted. This is not changing the way I expected. God is not doing what I asked, but I still believe he is with me. Wow. I think that's like, to use, forgive me analogy, that's Premier League Christianity. Seriously, it is. I'm not trying to be facetious. Being serious. If you can believe that he's with you when it's not changing. I mean, that's freedom. You are free. I am free. Because everything within me as a human would say this. If God is with me, this should fix. And there's sometimes it does fix. But there are sometimes it doesn't. Here's what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah to the people of God. When you pass through the waters, <laughs> I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Look at the contradictions. Through the waters, through the rivers, through the fire, yet saved. What? No, no. Shouldn't that be out of the rivers? Shouldn't that be out of the waters? Shouldn't that be out of the fire to be saved? No, no. The Lord's saying through the rivers through the waters and through the fire. I'm your savior. It's an amazing thought that we've been thinking about this weekend, that we are being called to walk with him. Wow. We've been thinking about that from all different directions. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have pilgrimage in their hearts, who want to walk with God, who understand that the walk is a relationship. It's not a race. It's about growing, not just going. And it's about now, not just then. That actually, this walk is about as much about what we're becoming as about where we're arriving. Very, very encouraging and inspiring stuff for us to think about. But, but here's the other side we need to remember. He is walking with us. He wants to walk with you. He wants to stay with you. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to know whether you can see him or not, he's with you. Whether you feel him or not, he's with you. And whether it changes or not, he is with you. None of those things are a cop-out. All of those things are a dynamic expression of faith in the God who walks with us. How fast does God walk? Well, how fast do you walk? 
He's the three mile an hour God. Oh, he could go at light speed. Of course he could, but we would struggle to keep up with that. Instead, he is the God who created and sustains the universe. And yet he slows himself down to walk with someone like me so that I make it. (laughs) I love that. And so be encouraged wherever you are on this journey, wherever you are on this path, he is with you. Even if you can't see him, feel him, or your situation is not changing, the truth is the truth. And faith finds life through that truth. Why don't you stand with me? You've been wonderfully patient. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation this weekend. Thank you for the joy of sharing this wonderful theme. I love this theme. I love the idea of enjoying the journey, even when the journey isn't always pleasant. But that somehow in the midst of the journey, we can find joy through faith. We can find hope through faith. We can find life through faith. We can find purpose through faith on the good days, the bad days, and even the ugly days. And so wherever you are right now, as I'm about to pray, here's what I want you to believe. Here's what I want you to reach out to. Here's what I want you to say to yourself and say to the Lord, you are with me. Make that your confession today. You are with me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. When the table is laden with good things, you are with me. In the days when the sun is shining, you are with me. In the days when darkness fills the sky, you are with me. And may that revelation bring transformation to your thinking, to your living, and to your walking. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. A fresh revelation of this simple but gloriously magnificent profound truth will come to each one of us. You are with me. What a thought. We know that we are called to be with you. We get that. We sort of find that bit easier to understand but Lord sometimes we struggle if we're honest with the immensity and glory of the truth it says you are with me we sort of understand you're with us when we're doing well but Lord you are with us however we are doing you do do not abandon the works of your hands you never leave us you never forsake us and you delight in walking with us. And so, Lord, I pray, let this revelation come now. You are with me. You are with me. You are with me. You are with me. May that become a revelation right now to people online. You are with me. To people in this room, you are with me. To people struggling, you are with me. To people who cannot see the wires, you are with me. And Lord, may that revelation bring transformation 
And may that transformation empower and impact our everyday walk and the steps that we take in the ordinary, routine, mundane moments of our lives. May we know that in every moment of every day, in every situation and in every circumstance, you are with me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord.